You are listening to the audio ministry from All Nations Church, Cardiff. Thank you all very much. God is so good, isn't he? So, as T said, we're going to continue um, to look at the body. We've been looking at the spirit, the soul, and the body, what makes us who we are. So we're going to continue looking at the body, because it's important to God, and he's got much to say about it. So, to begin, let's turn to the scripture that we've been looking at recently in 1 Thessalonians. Chapter 5 and verses 23 to 24. You should be familiar with it by now, but it'll do us good to read it again. Okay, 1 Thessalonians 5, verses 23 to 24, and I'm going to be reading from the New International Version. May God Himself, the God of peace, sanctify you through and through. May your whole spirit, soul, and body. Be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. The one who calls you is faithful and he will do it. So last time I shared with you, um, we spoke about caring for our bodies, looking after what God has given us. We talked about allowing the Holy Spirit to lead us into choices that will produce life. We looked at the choices that we make in terms of what we eat, how we feed our bodies, the things we fuel our bodies with. We looked at how we look after our bodies in terms of the exercise we give it, because we need to be fit and healthy to serve God. And we looked at the importance of rest, giving our bodies the rest that they need to recover, to maintain health, and to be useful to us. So today we're going to look at how God empowers us to do these things. How he helps us to honour him with our bodies. So I'd like you to turn with me to another scripture now, which is in Romans 5. And verse 17. We're going to be looking up a lot of scriptures today, which is a good thing. So Romans 5 and verse 17 says, For if by the trespass of the one man death reigned through that one man, How much more will those who receive God's abundant provision of grace and of the gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ? God says we are destined to reign. We are destined to reign with God. We could talk about that a lot. We could talk about what it means to reign in life. There's a lot to be talked about when we're talking about that. But there's one thing. That is sure, that we need to be able to rule ourselves as a starting point. We have to start by ruling ourselves, reigning over ourselves. And to do that, to rule and to reign over ourselves, or over anything, I believe we have to be free. We have to be a people who are free. We can't rule if we're not free. We can't reign if we're not in a position of freedom. God destined Adam and Eve to rule and to reign and to fill the earth. With people doing the same thing. And he said to them, you are free to eat from any tree, except don't eat from this tree. He said, you are free, because freedom is a prerequisite to ruling and to reigning. Jesus went around, setting the captives free. That's what the scriptures tell us. 
He set people free. He released people who were oppressed. He healed people who were sick. He brought freedom because he wants to reproduce himself in us, a people who are free to rule and to reign and to fill the earth. Jesus has set us free. He came to set us free. And Galatians 5.1 tells us that it was for freedom that we've been set free. We've been set free for freedom. We've been, not been set free to become enslaved again. We've been set free to be free. For us to be mature and to grow up and fulfill the purpose of God, we need to be a people who are free. We're not enslaved by anything so that we can reign with him. So true freedom, I think freedom is a concept which is largely misunderstood in the world. True freedom isn't a freedom from responsibility. It's not a freedom from being accountable. It's not a freedom to do what you like when you feel like it, to just follow the desires that you, you feel. That's not true freedom. Because when we're following our desires and our feelings, we're actually enslaved by those things. When we're allowing our feelings and our desires to dictate... We are not free, we are enslaved by them. Peter says of false teachers um, at the time of the New Testament in 2 Peter 2 and 19. If you would turn with me to that. 2 Peter 2 and verse 19. Two Peter two nineteen it says they promise them freedom while they themselves are slaves of depravity, for people are slaves to whatever has mastered them. Whatever we give ourselves into, whatever we give into, we become enslaved by it, it becomes our master. Adam and Eve used the freedom that God had given them to disobey God, and in doing so, they became slaves to what they gave into. They became slaves to sin. There's only one good thing to be enslaved to. Can you guess what that is? Jesus is the only good thing or a good person to be enslaved to. Skip back a chapter to 1 Peter 2 and verse 16. We'll find that. Peter agrees with that statement. One Peter two verse sixteen says, "Live as free people, but do not use your freedom as a cover-up for evil. Live as God's slaves." It's interesting. He starts that verse saying, "Live as free people," and he ends it by saying, "Live as God's slaves," because for Peter. To be free equaled the same thing as being a slave to God. To Peter, true freedom was slavery to God. And that's not a contradiction. A slavery to God is a letting go of everything else. It's a letting go of anything that's keeping you captive. It's a letting go of anything that has enslaved you. I don't know how accurate this is, but I, I've been told this is accurate. Apparently... A monkey can be caught by putting a jar with some nuts in it and the monkey will come along and he'll put his hand in the jar to grab the nuts and he'll make a fist and he won't be able to pull his hand back out of the jar because he's trying to grab these nuts. Apparently, this is true. I've not tried it out. I've not tested it. But he won't let go of those, the, whatever's in that jar. He, he will not release 
his grip on it, and therefore he becomes trapped with his hand in the jar, and apparently you can catch a monkey that way. <laughs> don't try that next time you go to the zoo. You, you might get in trouble, I don't know. But if you can't say no to something, if you can't switch that thing off, if you can't resist something, if you just can't help yourself, then you're not free. If you can't walk past the cookie jar without grabbing one, you're not free. Don't be a monkey. Don't be a monkey. Be willing to let it go. Be free. Be free and allow God to lead you by his spirit. Because where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom, the word tells us. When we let God call the shots, without our minds, without our bodies dictating to us, that's when we become free. And that's when we become slaves of Christ. I said we're going to read a lot of scriptures. And we are. So turn back to 1 Corinthians 6, please. One Corinthians six, verses twelve to thirteen. I have the right to do anything, you say, but not everything is beneficial. I have the right to do anything, but I will not be mastered by anything. I like that attitude in Paul here. He says, I will not be mastered by anything. I will not be mastered by food. I will not be mastered by drink. I will not be mastered by the television. I will not be mastered by lust. I will not be mastered by anything. He says, I give the orders around here. I rule. Verse 13, he goes on and says, You save food for the stomach and the stomach for food, and God will destroy them both. The body, however, is not meant for sexual immorality, but for the Lord. And the Lord for the body. So what are our bodies meant for? What are our bodies meant for? They're meant for the Lord. By his power, God raised the Lord from the dead. And he will raise us also. Do you not know that your bodies are members of Christ himself? Shall I then take the members of Christ and unite them with a prostitute? Never. Do you not know that he who unites himself with a prostitute is one with her in body? For it is said the two will become one flesh. But whoever is united with the Lord is one with him in spirit. Flee from sexual immorality. All other sins a person commits are outside the body. But whoever sins sexually sins against their own body. Do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit who is in you? Whom you have received from God, you are not your own. You were bought at a price. Therefore, therefore, honor God with your bodies. The scripture is pretty clear. Our bodies are not meant for sexual immorality. They are meant to be kept pure. They're meant to be kept holy. Why? Because God is a pure and a holy God. And he lives inside us. Because we, our bodies, are temples for his spirit. Paul continues in Romans. If you flick back to Romans 6, 
Romans 6 verse 11 to 13. Paul writes, in the same way, count yourselves dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body, so that you may obey its evil desires. Do not offer any part of yourself to sin as an instrument of wickedness, but rather offer yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life, and offer every part of yourself to him as an instrument of of righteousness. We are instruments. Our bodies are instruments. And we can use them for wickedness or we can use them for righteousness. I was blessed recently reading the E! News. There was an article um, in there from Gareth and Jane Griffiths and they were saying how they'd been doing the Crown, Crown Financial Course and they'd been blessed by doing that. And they'd been blessed by the revelation that everything we have Everything we possess belongs to God. It's not just the 10% of our tithe that belongs to God. Yes, the word says the tithe belongs to the Lord. But the word also says that the earth is the Lord's and everything in it, the world and all who live in it. Everything we have belongs to God. And they were saying that that revelation changed how they dealt with their finances, changed how they stewarded what God had given them. And it's the same with our bodies. The earth and everything that's in it belongs to God. All who live in it, um, Psalm 24 tells us that. We belong to God. When we understand this, our attitude to our bodies changes. We might have gone astray, but God has brought us back. You are not your own, we've already read it. We are not our own, we have been bought at a price. Our bodies are for the Lord. Our bodies are instruments of righteousness. Our bodies are for the Lord, to whom the angels cry out, Holy, holy, holy. Our bodies are for the Lord, whose glory is so awesome that Moses had to be hidden from it, else he would have died. Our bodies are for the Lord, whose purity is so bright and so pure that the prophet Daniel wrote, His clothing was as white as snow. The hair of his head was white like wool. His throne was flaming with fire, and its wheels were all ablaze. A river of fire was flowing, coming out from before him. Thousands upon thousands attended him. Ten thousand times ten thousand stood before him. We have such an awesome God. We have such a mighty God. We have such a glorious, holy, and pure God. When we begin to grasp this, when we begin to grasp this, will be like the Apostle Paul who just had to fall flat on his face before him as if dead. We just have to give ourselves to him. To be holy. He says that to us. God says in his word, be holy even as I am holy. And you think, man, surely that's too much to ask. How can we be holy even as God is holy? Well, God has asked it of us, and we know that when God asks us to do something, that he will always give us the ability to do it. So when we understand this, when he says, be holy, even as I am holy, we see that not so much as a command, but as a promise that he will enable us to do that. He won't allow us to be tempted beyond what we can bear. 
He won't put us in a situation without giving us a way out. He says, resist the devil and the devil will flee from you. Let's look at 1 Corinthians 9. 1 Corinthians 9, verse 24 through to 27. Paul gives us some advice on holy living. Verse 24 of 1 Corinthians 9. Do you not know that in a race all the runners run, but only one gets the prize? Run in such a way as to get the prize. Everyone who competes in the games goes into strict training. They do it to get a crown that will not last, but we do it to get a crown that will last forever. Therefore, I do not run like someone running aimlessly. I do not fight like a boxer beating the air. No. I strike a blow to my body and make it my slave, so that after I have preached to others, I myself might not be disqualified. Paul was determined that his body would become his slave and not his master. The Amplified Bible translates verse 27 like this. But, like a boxer, I buffet my body, handle it roughly, discipline it by hardships, and subdue it for fear that after proclaiming to others the gospel and things pertaining to it, I myself should become unfit, not stand the test, be unapproved and rejected as a counterfeit. Paul was determined that he would not let his body hinder him. He was determined to rule over his body and make it his slave. He was determined that he would make his body an instrument that would help him, that would be useful for him to carry out the purpose of God. He would present his body to God as an instrument of righteousness. And when we're talking about striking a blow to our bodies, I'm not talking about beating our bodies or self-punishment or any silliness like that. I'm not talking about when people misunderstand um, their position with God and, and beat themselves because they feel unworthy as if it's earning them some sort of righteousness before God. Understand me, I'm not talking about that because that is an offence to God and it's an insult to Jesus. It's telling Jesus your work wasn't enough. So I'm not talking about ca- causing harm to our bodies at all. But I'm talking about ruling our bodies. You know, sometimes our bodies can be used to calling the shots. And when we decide to start to rule, it's going to kick up a fuss because it's not used to it. I don't know if you ever watch, there's a program we sometimes watch called Super Nanny. And you've got this nanny that goes into homes where the children are running wild. And these children, they don't do what they're told. They're used to getting their own way and their parents will say, don't do that. And they just carry on doing it and and they eventually get their own way and and the parents just give up. and, And those children are ruling the home. And... It struck me it can be like that with our body, with our feelings and our desires. That we are to rule them. But if we've been allowing our our feelings and our desires and our bodies to dictate to us, it's like those children running amok in the home. When we say no, they kick up a fuss and get their own way. (laughs) 
But when our bodies realise, like those children, when the super nanny tells the parents and gives them some instruction, and the children realise that the parents mean business, that they're not going to back down, that they're going to follow through, then those children suddenly start to come in line. When we, suddenly, when we start to tell our bodies and not back down, start to dictate, call the shots, not letting our bodies kick up a fuss and get their own way, then we begin to rule and we begin to reign over our bodies. This is what we're talking about when we talk about striking a blow to our bodies. Okay. Romans 13, if you can turn with me there, please. I like Paul. He's very practical. He shares his wisdom with us, which helps and blesses us. Romans 13 and verse 12 through to verse 14. Verse 12 says, The night is nearly over, the day is almost here. So let us put aside the deeds of darkness and put on the armor of light. Let us behave decently as in the daytime, not in carousing and drunkenness, not in sexual immorality or debauchery, not in dissension and jealousy. Rather, clothe yourselves with the Lord Jesus Christ and do not think about how to gratify the desires of the flesh. Do not think about how to gratify the desires of the flesh. That's Paul's advice to us. The English Standard Version translates that last verse like this. But put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to gratify its desires. We need to know that we are free. We need to know that we're destined to rule and to reign. But we can make no provision for the flesh. We can make no provision for carnal desires. If sexual desire is an issue for you, make no provision for it. Turn the television off. Unplug the internet. Avert your eyes. Rule your thoughts. There's certain places you need to avoid going to. There's certain people you need to avoid hanging around with. There's certain situations you need to keep yourself back from so you can present your body as an instrument of righteousness. Make no provision for carnal desires. There's no glory in putting yourself in the way of temptation. If your temptation is to overindulge in food or in drink, make no provision for it. Don't keep things in the house that will tempt you. Don't be around people who will tempt you or lead you astray. Again, don't go to places that will put you in the way of temptation. Make no provision for carnal desires. Because what you feed your soul and your mind will ultimately come out in your body and produce action. When we allow our minds to dwell on things that are wrong, that things that are not helpful, ultimately it's going to come out and produce actions. If you allow yourself and your mind to lust after women or after men, then sooner or later your body won't get involved. If you allow anger or resentment to be built up within you, sooner or later it's going to come out through your body, the way your body language, the actions, the behaviours that you produce. It's all a product of what is inside of you, what's been built up. 
So our bodies are instruments and we can use them for either good or for bad. We can use them for life or for death. We can use them for blessing or for curse. An open hand can be helpful and can bless. A closed hand can cause damage. God always says choose life. Those who are free, those who have chosen to become slaves of God, choose life. And they produce life by what they do with their bodies. God's so good and he, he tells us to choose life because he knows the effect that sin has on our body. When we sin, it's not just something that is an offence to God, but it, it opens up a door into our lives from the author of sin. The devil, he doesn't have any authority over us because Jesus has stripped him of that. The only authority he does have is what we are willing to give him. And when we sin, we give him a door. In the Garden of Eden with Adam and Eve, the devil had no authority over them other than what they gave him. So when you open a door to the devil, he's only got one agenda. And that's to steal, to kill and to destroy. So there's a link between spiritual things and physical things. I'm not saying if someone's sick, it's because they've sinned. Please don't go, if somebody phones you up saying they're sick, you don't want to be going up to them saying, right, tell me, what have you gone and done? Don't be like that. Please don't misunderstand me. Jesus was clear on this. He said in John 9 verse 1, his disciples were going along and they came across a man who was blind. And the disciples said to Jesus, um, they said to him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he is blind? Jesus' response was that, he says, neither this man nor his parents sinned. Okay? So you can't, don't judge people if they're sick. That's what I'm saying. But nevertheless, unconfessed sin can open a door into your life to sickness. Psalm 38 well, turn me with the apps. Turn with me to Psalm 38 and verse 3. <clears throat> Psalm 38, verse 3. Because of your wrath, there is no health in my body. There is no soundness in my bones because of my sin. Turn with me to 1 Corinthians 11. One Corinthians eleven, verse twenty seven. Through to verse 30. So then, whoever eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of sinning against the body and blood of the Lord. Everyone ought to examine themselves before they eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For those who eat and drink without discerning the body of Christ eat and drink judgment on themselves. That is why many among you are weak and sick. And a number of you have fallen asleep. So we see from scripture that there's a clear link between the physical and the spiritual. Yes. 
But the good thing is when we confess our sin, God is faithful to forgive. And we shut that door on the devil when we confess. We close the door and he's not allowed access into our lives. Again, James 5 now if you'll turn with me. If nothing else this morning, you'll have had a good bit of exercise flicking through your Bible. Remembering where books are. James 5. James 5, verse 14 through to verse 16. Is anyone among you sick? Let them call the elders of the church to pray over them and anoint them with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. The Lord will raise them up. If they've sinned, they will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. So again, we see that unconfessed sin can hinder us from receiving healing from sickness. But when we confess, God is faithful and he will raise them up. And the prayer of faith will make the sick person Amen. well. Amen. On the contrary, when we, look, when we live in righteousness, Proverbs 3 tells us in verse 7 to 9, it says, Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and shun evil. This will bring health to your body and nourishment to your bones. So we see there's a clear link between the spiritual and the physical. The words we speak, the way we think, also have an effect on our body. The words we speak, which ultimately are an overflow of what's in our hearts. And they can affect our body. James, we won't turn there, but James, he tells us that the tongue, whilst being so small, can influence the whole body. He compares it to a, a small rudder on a big ship. That little rudder can turn the course and affect the whole ship. We believe that our words are important. We believe that God created the world through saying and declaring, let there be light, let there be. Our words have creative power also. So speaking positively can have a positive effect on our bodies. On the flip side, speaking negatively can have a negative effect on our bodies. If we say, ah, I'm so weak, our bodies gear up to be weak. But if we say, I am so strong, our bodies gear up to become strong. Science doesn't, science will back this up. Science um, has shown us recently that the the speech center in our brains uh, has an effect over all the other nerve centers. It's interesting. Science isn't an enemy of God. True science will support the things of God. I believe... It was Einstein who said that after all the discoveries he'd made, he'd, he'd said, I'm merely thinking God's thoughts after him. I'm merely thinking God's thoughts after him. We don't have to fear science. So the words we speak produce life and health in our bodies when we speak God's words. Proverbs 4:22. Uh, 20 to 22 says this, Turn your ear to my words, 
Do not let them out of your sight. Keep them within your heart, for they are life to those who find them and health to one's whole body. Reading God's word, believing God's word, speaking God's word. It says they are life to those who find them, health to one's whole body. Thoughts are just unspoken words. And the way we think also affects our bodies. We know that when we worry, the worry can cause illness. Stress is well known for for being a cause of of high blood pressure and and affecting our immune systems. Negative thought patterns are linked to depression. If we're harboring unforgiveness, that's also linked to sickness. So the way we think, speak and act is so important because it has an effect directly on our bodies. And I believe a key for us this morning to have breakthrough in this area of freedom over ourselves, to rule and to reign and to live in life and in health. I believe the key for us this morning that will help is fasting. Fasting is something that will help you walk in the freedom that God has given you and it will help you be free from becoming enslaved. Because fasting, he brings the spiritual to the front and it pushes the carnal to the back. It gets things in the right order. It causes you to rule your body and rule your feelings and rule your desires. It puts things in the right place. It puts you in charge that you might rule and reign over your body. Whether that, and that's not just in terms of food. It's in terms of all sorts of things, general self-control. There's so many benefits to fasting, but one of them is certainly self-control and discipline. So whether your struggle is with food or with drink or with lust or whatever, I believe fasting is a key for us to experience breakthrough. As we fast unto the Lord and we put our spirits in in the driving seat. So yes, Jesus has won the victory. Jesus has said, it is finished. He says, the old is gone, the new has come. He says, you are a new creation. He says, his spirit lives in you. He says, we are more than conquerors. He says, yes, we reign with him. But what Jesus has done for us won't automatically come to pass if we just remain passive, if we sit in neutral. God has set us free so that we can exercise that rule and that reign over our bodies as we give ourselves to him. He set us free that we might turn our bodies into our slaves. He set us free that our bodies might become instruments of righteousness. He set us free that we might honour God with our bodies, that we might enjoy health, that we might be uh, fit to serve him. So that we might keep our bodies blameless when he comes. God's so good. He's so worthy. He's so holy. And he demands everything from us. And when we give him everything, then we truly find freedom. Then we truly find our position as rulers and reigners with him. He's so awesome. Let's just stand and praise God who is holy. Think of him. He is holy. He is awesome. He is righteous. He is pure. He is good. There's nobody like him. He is so good. 
He is so pure. He is so holy. Just start to declare that. Start to speak out to him. Praise him for who he is this morning. He is an awesome God. He is sitting enthroned in heaven. His enemies are beneath his feet. He has the victory. Give him praise. Give him glory. Hallelujah. You have been listening to a message from All Nations Church Cardiff. To download other messages, subscribe to our podcast, or find out more about us, log on to www.allnationschurch.org.uk. Thank you.